In today's episode, we're speaking to the amazing Alina Timofavir. Alina is an associate partner, multi-award winning professional in cloud data and digital, a TEDx speaker, mentor, and a podcaster. Alina is a multi-award winning female leader who helps females and immigrants persevere in a world where their gender, culture, and history can be a roadblock to building the life they dream of. Let's find out how Alina changed her life by changing her mindset. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And today we have the amazing, we have the beautiful, we have the lovely Alina Timofeva. Welcome, Alina. Thank you very much for inviting me and for all the compliments. Thank you so much for joining us, Alina. Everyone's heard how amazing you are, but please tell us in your own words what it is that you do. Yeah, so I'm an associate partner in Oliver Wyman, which is a strategy firm. And every day I do the digital transformation, mainly for the banks and helping them to do transformation in a safe and secure way so that they reach the business benefits very quickly. And I guess why I'm really here is more because of my story, my journey, my journey as a woman in technology, my journey as an immigrant from Russia, uh, from the disprivileged background and I guess some of the things I wanted to share is how not only did I grow in my job but also what I do to inspire others. Brilliant and that's what we're excited to hear from you today. So let's get straight into it Alina, tell us how did you and uh, I believe you're coming from Russia, how did you and um, where did you grow up and how did your journey lead you to here now in the UK in London? Please yeah. us through. Yeah, so I was born in Russia and I was born to quite a simple family. So my grandmother didn't have education Mm -hmm. and I didn't really live with my parents. The interesting thing is I was brought up to be a housewife and just generally to serve my husband. Mm. Um, And from the very start, I was taught, you know, this is like, you're going to get married, you're going to get married. And there was this expectation that I'm going to get married when I'm 20. And um I really wanted to get married when I was three or four, but I wanted to marry a millionaire because I used to live like in great poverty and I watched this movie, Pretty Woman, and I thought that's exactly how it's going to be, roughly. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, I figured out that there aren't many millionaires around, so my chances are not very high. Uh, basically, I invested a lot into education. So I went to a simple school, but then I moved up. I won the Moscow Olympiad and I went to the best university in Russia to do a scientist in maths. Mm-hmm. My grandmother thought it's a great idea for me to get married because there are lots of guys that do maths and there are not many women. And she was very disappointed that I didn't get married. And then like, other than that, I mean, my career started just by doing simple jobs. So I did some washing floors, doing waitressing. I worked in McDonald's. And I think one of the key things which I talk about is just the failures because I was surrounded by failures. I couldn't do the burgers. I couldn't do the fries. I wasn't very like they didn't put me on the till to do the Happy Meals. 
I wasn't good in speaking, forget about public speaking. And um, I mean, I was just surrounded with everybody telling me that there is no way I'm ever going to make anywhere. So how did you, uh, you know, even though you, you won the Olympic in, in yeah. Russia and, and then you get to the best university, so how, how did you do that if you had the belief that you weren't going to do anything? I'm a bit confused about that. Well, so I think um, there was a lot of stuff, like it's more like how the family kind of does it for you. Like, you know, they tell you you're not good enough, you're not good enough, and you try to impress them. So I was always trying to impress them, but in the end it was always like, oh, you're not good enough because even though you won the Olympics, you're not getting married, or I don't know, like something along those lines. And so when did your journey, how did your journey take you from there to London? Talk us through that. Yeah, so I I did want a job in the UK and I found it very hard to find one because I needed a tier two visa and to get a tier two visa for a grad job is quite hard, especially if I go directly from Russia to UK. So I applied to very many jobs. I applied to like 500 plus jobs and oh, wow. nobody, nobody waited for me, unfortunately. Um, but I think one of the things which I talk about is I didn't really have a polish because I didn't know, you know, how to dress, how to walk, how to talk. So even though I would pass to the interview stage, not in all of the cases, mm-hmm. once I come to the assessment center or to the final interview, I would always fail. And um, it took me quite a long time. It took me about a year of like coming here, going by flights. Um, again, some of the jobs I never even got to the interview, but it took a lot of, you know, working through it, trying to understand what is this exactly they need for the interview process. And I was told many cases that my academia is good, my logical skills are good, my soft skills are shit. So there is no way I can get a job. Anyway, in the end, I did get a job. Actually, I got three offers and one of them was an Accenture, which is a consulting firm doing technology and I didn't really want to do technology but they gave me the visa and I kind of came along so that's what that was when you actually got your job here in the UK yeah Yeah, so I started as a graduate and I moved seven and a half years ago okay so that was so that so that was only seven and a half years ago yes Okay, so then what? how did you get to the partner level at this current company? So talk us through that and breaking through all the, you know, the mindset barriers and, you know, and all, everything else to go with it. Well, to start with, I was the only person who was not a British person in my start group. So I had 100 people in my start group. And I really kind of didn't fit in because, as I said, I didn't talk the right way. I didn't walk the right way. I couldn't answer the question, how was your weekend? I couldn't answer the question, how are you? Because I would just talk about every single problem I had in my life rather than being like, ah, it's fine. Hmm. And um, I think in the start, nobody actually believed that, you know, here is Alina and Alina is going to be the future star of technology. So I just did the same job as everybody else. I mean, I did a good job. Nobody particularly said anything, you know, nice or anything bad. So I was just like, you know, doing okay. And then um, when I really wanted to get promoted, which was after two years, I kind of made my aspirations very clear and they were declined because whoever was meant to approve me told me that there is no way I should work in consulting and I have very bad soft skills. 
Um, basically, I was very disappointed because in my world, I was meant to get promoted and it's never happened. And I think one of the challenges I really experienced when I joined was that, you know, I didn't fit in, but I was also thinking, you know, there are all these British people that have been here and they know, you know, how to talk and to walk and they've been around. So there is no way I'm such a great person as they. So it was like a pro bomb in my mindset. Um, and I just, syndrome. Well, I kind of self-sabotaged myself because I kind of thought, you know, there is nobody like me. And then also all these people are better than me for whatever reason they are. Mm. Uh, the funniest thing is I'm probably the highest performing person out of all my start group. So oh, wow. Okay. Why not? So, yeah, so I was working in Accenture and recently, I mean, I got promoted four times in under four years and I think... I mean, it was hard work, but it was also the fact that I took on feedback, you know, whatever people had to say and just tried to very, very rapidly navigate and change throughout it. Mm. Um, sometimes, I mean, I had more success. I joined KPMG to do technology consulting analytics. I had more success because I had kind of more sponsorship and kind of more senior exposure and I did quite well and that was noticed faster. I mean, generally, I was doing the same thing. Like, I was working hard. I had in my brain after two, three years that, you know, I'm able to make a difference and it doesn't matter who I am and what my background is and that, you know, I may have an educated family or something. But I was, like, very to the point that this is what I need to do and I was doing it and some people liked it, some people didn't like it. But in the end, I kind of moved up the chain. Now, this is a big point because you have this negative mindset about yourself about what's possible for you that's been reinforced time and time again by your family mm. and it doesn't matter how much we want to pull away and how much we think oh I don't, really, I don't really care you do care and it does play a part in your life how does a, a young woman who has immigrated and is up against um what she perceives to be people who are more equipped to do the job or maybe are perceived to do a better job because of the language and the command over the language or they were born here, brought up here. And so how did you overcome those hurdles of, you know, the self, how did you get the self-belief to say, well, you know what, I'm their equal and I'm as good as they are and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make sure that I get promotion because four promotions within four years, is quite an achievement. How, but you you need a certain kind of mindset to back that up. How did you how did you attain that mindset? That's my question to you. I mean, originally I was very miserable, and I think I reached the level of pain which I was willing to take in because that particular time, the first one, I didn't get promoted, so I actually didn't get any increase, and I had some kind of personal challenges as well, and I just couldn't pay rent. So I came to the conclusion that I need to do something, whatever it is, and I'm going to do something, right? I mean, the confidence thing, there were people that helped me. So after that incident, there was like a very good senior mentor in my firm who now left the firm, but we are still very close to each other. And he's been very nice, maybe not telling me that I'm the most exceptional person in the world, but he was like, you are okay, you are doing fine, you are like... Good. And he actually spent quite a lot of time on me. And it wasn't like the time, like, let's go through your tasks and go through your paperwork. It was literally like we spent some time together, like a little bit outside of work or like a little bit more informally. And 
he was just very nice. And I felt better about myself as a starting point. And then when I joined the next organization, I was, I kind of started with a little bit fresher start because nobody necessarily knew all my prehistory in any way. And I managed to impress like whoever was my boss and my, my other colleagues. Um, and they were very helpful. Right. So my boss was really like I met him. I liked him within 15 minutes of meeting him. And then we've been very close for like whatever at the time I've been in that company and even now. Okay, that's that's interesting to know. And then when did you move to your current company? I just moved less than a year ago. Okay. And then this is now as, as a senior partner, I take it. No, so it's associate partner. So that's associate partner is not senior. Okay, got, okay, so partner, okay, still, okay, it's still a, a quite an achievement to be a partner at, within seven and a half years of coming into the country, right? And how do you know how how do you deal with setbacks? How do you deal with the expectations of you as uh, as a woman, as uh, as an immigrant, and even now, uh, you know, with the Russia, uh, you know, because as we at the point of recording this um, podcast, you know, there's a war going on between Russia and uh, and Ukraine, and so there's there's that that kind of conflict that's going on, and I know that you know being a brown woman here, I was born and brought up in UK, but I still see you know I'm brown, so I'm seen as an immigrant as well. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with people's opinion or perceptions about you? So I will be honest, I still care about it. <laughs> right, so I still. I care less about it than I used to care, but I still care about it, mm. right? And it's, I find it very, very hard to detach myself completely from all the opinions, however much I try to do it. So I do have, you know, some more successes now because people recognize my journey and they respect me for my journey. So it's not like I came here and watched Forza McDonald's and now, mm. you know, I'm just doing the same stuff. Like I actually grew up very, very fast and people, people recognize that I grow much faster than perhaps my peers. So that was good. Um, so there is some respect. I, I think that there is more respect than there was when I just turned up here when nobody was interested at all. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. I think one of the things around my perception, it's some of it is self-belief, some of it is going backwards and seeing, you know, look, I'm an immigrant, I achieved this, I achieved this, I achieved this, I achieved this. And actually, I just became a British citizen last week. Oh, so. congratulations. So I'm now proud. So I'm now a proud British citizen <laughs> and I have achieved that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I do kind of praise myself, you know, these are all the things which I achieved. So it gives me the confidence because I'm not starting from scratch where I was seven and a half years ago. I'm starting from somewhere where I've seen tangible results. Yeah. I do have some people that, you know, praise me, some people that perhaps don't praise me, but still I have like my personal self-belief. And one of the things which I've been doing like outside of work is trying to build my self-equanimity. It's a little bit through meditation, but it's essentially trying to understand that whatever good happens or whatever bad happens, you need to stay equanimous mm -hmm. because yeah. today I may be successful. Tomorrow things change and things always change. So I need to stay equanimous and not like get overexcited or over 
I'm happy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I want to I want to ask you, you know, looking back at your your younger self, this woman who was programmed and designed through upbringing to be a housewife and someone's pretty little wife um, to be seen, not heard, etc. That kind of scenario now is a force to be reckoned with is her own independent woman and you know how do you um how do you reconcile or connect with that woman that you used to be and how how do you see how far you've come from where you were and the way you were designed to be and the way you ended up being so i definitely see the progress i think the interesting thing is my husband has actually been designed to see himself as modern master (laughs) it's still I'm trying to educate him now but I'm getting a lot of pushback which Mm -hmm. is quite funny no it's just when I met him I was actually like very young I was a graduate so it was literally my first starting point and now I have developed myself as well extensively so I have developed my independent thinking which is quite hard for him to believe um I think the way I see myself well I do see the progress right I mean I do see a progress when I call my grandmother right and she has no clue what I'm doing but I think that she feels some respect for me now a a lot in fact and she's very proud that you know I'm not washing somebody's shirts and ironing the clothes as a day in uh my mother also has like she's been recognizing it as well even though I haven't lived with her but she's been quite you know she's been a housewife so she also she's never actually had a proper career and most of the people with who I grew up never really had like a proper proper career they were more like they went to uni they got a job maybe they do it but they don't do it for the sake of career they do it for the sake of you know like let's get some money and Mm -hmm. let's have the children and let's have you know something to do isn't that interesting because I think this is um I mean, I can definitely relate to this. I was born in Manchester. I grew up in London, East London. But I grew up with, even though my mother was a very strong-minded woman, I grew up in a very traditional household. And I didn't, I did not grow up with the idea that I was going to be um, a housewife. I was going to be washing clothes or anything. My mother didn't even teach me to cook. She, she expected because she thought I was, I'll be some high-flying, you know, professional. I'll be able to hire a cook and a maid and whatever have you. Bless her. So that's her aspirations for me. But because of my cultural, um, you know, cultural upbringing and um, and my external and you know um, environment, I had I ended up being at one point a housewife, and I, I remember thinking that, um, and this isn't this is the case in my culture, and by the sounds of it, it seems to be in your culture too, that the mere fact that someone could be a man would be less educated than you, less capable than you, but the mere fact that he's a man gives him an upper hand. How do you deal with that in your profession? Because I know in your culture, in my culture, I, I just smile it and let it be and I just walk away. But I know a lot of people are threatened by that. How do you deal with that in your culture? So I guess definitely in my culture, right? So in my culture, there is a little bit of superiority. So there is an element of patriarchy, right? So even if you are the most beautiful woman, so for example, one of my mentors was Miss Russia and she's very beautiful and she does have a career in terms of doing psychology, but she still tells me that she lives in patriarchy with her boyfriend because that's how she's used to do it. Right. So I have seen some of my 
well, the people I know that immigrated to US, for example, to UK, then it kind of changed because when you start doing it with different cultures, it can be a little bit different. Mm, but yeah. still, I've seen a lot of uh, Russian men, for example, who live in the UK, they specifically get a wife from Russia. So because they can't get this wife that cooks and cleans for them in the UK, mm-hmm. and they want to have somebody with this mindset, which is quite different, I guess. And my experience in the UK was, I mean, my husband is Indian and he's like traditional Indian mm-hmm. and he even though he immigrated like 15 years ago and he's more modern than perhaps like if he just stayed in Gujarat mm-hmm. he still has this version that he's the modern master and he's still very unhappy that I don't cook and clean and he says well, you need to come and to pour the flowers and front of me and it, you know it, it's more of a joke to be honest I think that he does realize I'm not going to do it but he still has it and is one of his aspirations. I mean, I'm not surprised because if he's, if he's from South Asian and I'm South Asian, then that's going to be his, his thing. And I, I remember my ex, uh, Ifan, I, I did everything and I even learned from being, barely being able to boil the rice to cooking biryanis and niharis and God knows what else, traditional food and God knows what else. Um, it still wasn't good enough for him because I still didn't respect him enough and his idea of respect... <laughs> based on i don't know what what distorted thing they have in pakistan i don't know but yeah the south asian men are um not all south asian men but yeah i think that there are some some upbringings and cultural things where it doesn't matter how you know how capable the woman is just because they're a man they're superior to her and i think this is this is another hurdle that we have to uh we have to overcome because if you're married to someone like that or if you are in that culture you don't have to prove it to yourself. You also have to prove it to those who are around you that you can are capable and you can achieve. Yeah, I had a very funny story uh, recently. Mm-hmm. So I went to, with my husband to his hometown. So his hometown is Surat. And Surat is like not too far from Mumbai. But it's more like of a smaller towns. And basically, there are lots of shops. Shops that do textile, shops that do diamonds. And we came with him to every single shop to buy stuff. So people just talk to him. They talk to him in Gujarati. They don't talk to me. Like they ask him, so where do you work? And he's like, in HSBC. And what do you do? And like he does, I do programming. Like they didn't even bother asking me in English anything. They didn't ask me where I'm working. Then finally, after the 15 shop, somebody asked me, okay, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I am an associate partner. I am much more senior than my husband. I earn more money. And I'm like, okay, no, that doesn't count. So, so let's go back to diamonds, whatever it was. But it was a very funny experience. I'm not surprised. I, and I, I can definitely understand that. I, I, I'm going to share a funny story in my, for my culture. I, I remember this. Uh, and by the way, I respect all people, regardless of whatever the profession they do. It doesn't mean it, it, it has no connotations to me what somebody's profession is. But I'm just giving you an example of this person. So this person is now working as a taxi car driver. At that time, I think he was working as a security something, in, as, a, as a security officer or something. And I remember him, you know, there, there was a discussion going on and the men talk. And I, I normally keep quiet unless, um, you know, because well, I've learned to keep quiet. I didn't when I was younger. And I would interject more and, and put my ideas forth. And I'm all, I have no opinions about cooking and other things. But when it comes to investments and business, I have quite a few. And I remember he had no clue about business or something. And I, I remember somebody, there was a discussion and I was talking about it. 
And he completely dismissed what I had to say and ignored me and carried on the conversation. Keep in mind that I would have, you know, I've got the, I was a banking finance writer, so I had more ideas and understanding of the business world, especially emerging acquisitions, than this individual. But because I'm a woman, he has superiority. And he, he made the remark, you know, I don't talk like women. I'm like, I've got man's word right in front of me. And I thought, huh? <laughs> but it's, it's, I've come across this all my life where because I'm a woman, I had to not just do the work and compete with people around me, but I had to prove to my culture. Not to, I think, I think men from other cultures respected me more. Men from my cultures actually expected me to, to be at a higher level. So a brown man and a me that I would have to perform better than the brown man for them, for me to receive the same level of respect or for what I did, which is astonishing, but that's the reality of where we lived. I don't know if things are changing now because I'm not outside in the, in the, in the corporate world anymore. Um, but in my family, um, people, even now when we begin in social gatherings, the men get together and talk about business and the women get together and talk about um, all this, you know, household rubbish or gossip. And I'm still at this time thinking, <laughs> I don't feel neither. Like, I'm not a man and I'm not, I don't like doing that stuff. And, um, and I pretty much get bored a, a lot of the time or I just keep quiet. So anyway, yeah. it's, I, I'm, it's really, really pleasing to see that you've stuck your ground and you've achieved so much, even though you had odds stacked against you culturally um you know from your from the family's point of view and also the fact that you took the the huge leap of faith and came here let me just confirm like you came here by yourself didn't you You didn't come with any family members or friends you came here by yourself yeah so I came by myself and it was quite funny because I so I got this job at Accenture right and I was meant to join but that was when Russia conquered Crimea the first time which was in 2014 so they cancelled kind of the visas and it wasn't like a great time and the rebel kind of fell so twice similar to now so it was like a similar situation and then I tried finding a house I couldn't find a house like I found a house but the person kind of cancelled on me two days before the arrival thing. So I turned up on like 30th of August to join my company on 1st of September. So I turned up to my work and they said, you need to go to India because there is like training in India for analysts. And they forgot that I'm not a British person. So then I had to go kind of backwards to Russia to try to apply to visa. Then they canceled on me because they thought basically I didn't have the documents. So it was a lot of hassle. And I think just one of the things for the companies generally, when they bring immigrants, if they do, just do check where they're from and do help them with the relocation. Because my relocation was really very, 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 very difficult. And I guess I didn't know anybody, so I had a lot of challenges with housing. I had a lot of challenges with finding houses. I had a lot of challenges like, you know, what you hear about Ukraine women now, mm. that people just offer you sacks and they don't actually give you a house. And there are a lot of challenges, you know, if you want to get a credit card, like you can't get it because you don't have the salary. And then Accenture forgot to pay me the salary the first month because they put like a wrong banking detail. So I couldn't like pay the rent and I couldn't move to where I was meant to move. So it was pretty bad. And I think that there needs to be like really much more support for reallocation. Generally they do it, but they do it for like higher jobs. For my case, they said you're a grad and you kind of applied to a UK job yourself. So we're not gonna reallocate you. Um, you just come along on time. <laughs> 
against all those odds, against all those challenges, look how far you've come. So I have to congratulate you from the deepest, deepest parts of my heart. I'm so proud of you and for you as a woman, as an immigrant, well, as a daughter of an immigrant, because my parents were immigrants. But I, I really have a lot of respect and a lot of admiration for someone like you who has stood her ground and has decided to build her own identity based on her idea of herself, not what society has programmed her or believe, led her to believe. But on that note, we're going to wrap up now, Alina. Alina, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, so I tend to use my LinkedIn a lot. So it's just my name, my surname. And another thing, I did a TED talk recently, so it reached half a million views because people seem to be interested in immigrant stories. Um, so if you want to watch it, I think you can put my link into the comments. Wonderful. So if you're uh, listening to us on the podcast, we will have both the link to Alina's uh, TED Talk and her LinkedIn in the in the show notes. And if you're watching us on YouTube, then down below in the description section, we'll have the links to her TED Talk as well as her LinkedIn profile. Thank you so much for being such an amazing guest, Alina. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I'm sure we will be talking to you very, very soon. Thank you. thank you. Thanks a lot. And thank you for listening to me, Anilina, today and talking uh, through her journey as an immigrant, as a female immigrant coming from one country to another, establishing herself and actually, you know, going through the glass ceiling and being um, becoming an associate partner at a such a young age. So it's been a pleasure talking to her. And I'm going to be back with another amazing, amazing guest next time, finding out how they change their life by changing the mindset. Well, until the next time I meet, this is Girl Khan signing up. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com and if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop and if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money then go and get my book Laws of Money from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.